When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. And I'm really excited today. We've got Lou Stagner, as always, and Scott Fawcett in the house, myself, Mark Crossfield. And we're talking about the RNA and the USGAs. What should we call this? What are they What are they calling it, Lou? What, what about the projected shortening of clubs and other ideas around tolerance of drivers and balls? I'm not... Uh, what are we talking about today? Was there an announcement of some sort? We What's are talking on? about their announcement on trying to maybe look at the future of the game in relationship to distance. Ah, got it. Yeah, yeah. the, the report that came out, their, their little announcement. So would you like my initial reaction to it? We will. I'm just going to finish this intro. <laughs> it should be a fun one. Right, reactions to the announcements from the RNA USGA. Who wants to kick us off? Who's got who's got the reaction? I reckon Lou's chomping at the bit um, to kick I us off. I think Lou's so far on, more educated than me than this. I, what, I really what do. What were your I, thoughts on the announcement, Lou? Well, I mean, I think first of all, you have to you have to um, uh, think that this is a problem. You have to believe that distance is a problem in the game. And I don't believe that distance is a problem in the game at any level. And so a rollback for tour professionals or amateurs, um, I think is the wrong path forward regardless. Um, the thing that stood out the most to me is what Mike Davis said, who is CEO of the USGA, for those that don't know. He said the research conducted through distance insights clearly shows that hitting distances have consistently increased through time and if left unchecked could threaten the long-term future of our game at every level and every golf course on which it is played. And I read that and I think that is absolutely crazy, right? That's crazy talk. And I want to give a big shout out. Two, I got to get his name here. Uh, a big shout out to Kent Scratch Attitude on, on Twitter. <laughs> he brought up the Tee It Forward initiative from 10 years ago, the Tee It Forward initiative. Uh, USGA partnered with PGA and they came up with the idea of everyone is playing uh, too long of a golf course and you need to move up a set of tees or more. Their recommended length golf course that you should play if you average 225 off the tee is a golf course that's between 5,800 and 6,000 yards. In their distance insight report, they noted that US that amateurs average about 217 yards off the tee. And whether you're looking at uh, you know some of the, you know the Arcos information or the other uh, you know providers Shot out scope. there, ShotScope you will see that they're all around the same. So, so yeah, they are. amateur players are right in that 215 to 220 range. So according to their own research, 95% or more of amateurs are averaging less than 225 off the tee. And they also tell you that for players that average 225 off the tee, you should be playing a golf course that's 6,000 yards or less. Um, yet somehow distance is threatening the game at every level in every golf course. It just doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. And Rory just said some things and I will come back to it. So I don't want to spoil that, but that's kind of my initial reaction to this whole thing. Okay. So let's just bring that in just to make, so anyone who's listening, I'm sure everyone knows the announcements, but the announcements first off were made around club length and it was talking around that clubs shouldn't be longer than 46 inches other than the putter. 
um, recommended use only in competitive. So they're talking about highly skilled players that are professionals or elite competitors. So where Lou is talking about all of golf there, which I understand because he's relating it to his statement that he's quoting from the USGA, um, whatever he is, I can't remember. Mike Adams, it's Mike, what's his name? Mike Davis. Mike Davis, Mike Davis. sorry, Davis. yeah, Mike Davis. Um, the club length, for argument's sake, discussion and idea is only for elite amateurs and pros just so everyone listening is clear that's not if you've got a 48 inch driver out there and you're playing your monthly medal i am pretty sure don't quote me but they don't want to touch that go and have fun go and, and enjoy yourself so in effect that's quite good is it not lou in their defense as long as they don't touch amateurs i i that is good. They should not touch amateurs. But the way that I read that statement from Mike Davis tells me that that is on their minds and, and they are they're evaluating that. I can't interpret that any other way than. than well, no, they, they, they've they honestly they've said in the, the, the statement says it's literally for elite amateurs and pros only the length. It's not for you. It's not. Yes. But you. then when you when you read on into Mike Davis's statement talking about the longevity of the game. That to me is a broader reaching statement than just, I, I totally agree with you, Mark. They've explicitly said elite amateurs here, but Mark Davis's entire statement definitely reads broader than that to me as well. Right. Yeah, so to your point, it does, it is about elite amateurs now, but it sounds like that is the first step based on what he said. This is our first step. And that's almost literally exactly what he, he says. If you, if you go further than that, this is the, our first step in, yeah. in solving this problem. But that's speculation. If we bring it, let's, so let's bring it back to the actual point though. The point is, is it a problem? So if we take the club length, let's react to the club length to start. And Scott, obviously you can do your reaction in a second. I just want to carry on with Lou and you, Scott, as well. But I want to stick <laughs> on this point. Um, the 48 to 46 inch length of club for elite amateurs and pros only. Don't, don't muddy the water with amateurs because let's just pretend they're being left alone for now. Um, is that bad? Good? What's your reaction to that? The, actually, the statement, which is elite and pro. So the, not your projected idea of the statement, the statement as it stands now. Well, I don't think that a one, I think uh, many tour players are playing drivers that are less than 46 inches currently. 100%. Uh, and, and so they still have room to expand up to 46 inches. Two, look at the some of the longest players in the game today, right? The longest players on tour, they're playing drivers that are less than 46 inches or at 46 inches. So it's not like we have 50 players on tour that are playing 48 inches, 48 inch drivers and, and they need to scale back. And one thing I'm really interested in is, is Sasha McKenzie. He posted something yesterday, a poll. Yeah, I saw that, uh, yeah. do, I, do you know the answer to that? Um, I had a guess. I can't remember the three options. Yeah. A typical tour player has a club head speed of 114 miles per hour with a 46 inch driver. Uh, what would the speed increase to with a 48 inch driver? And the options were 116.5, 118, 119.5 or 121. I haven't seen the answer yet. I'm curious really as to, to what it is, what, what he says. Based it on is. my experience, I'm going with the 119er. 119er. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, I, I don't think, it seems like a reaction to the fact that one person has very publicly been trying to spank a 48 inch driver around whatever course he can and hasn't quite mastered it yet. And it seems almost like they've, it's almost like they've dropped their bacon sandwiches and gone, hang on. Someone's in what? Drop their bacon it's, sandwiches. It's, it's, that was a couple of good ones. He said he hasn't mastered it yet. That was a subtle pun because he screwed up the master so much. But do you see what I mean? Bacon, it's like, like that's four, 48 inch drivers have been allowed for X period of time, but all of a sudden it's because someone's trying to master it. They've turned around and gone, oh, what's that, Jim? Someone's trying to get a 48 inch one. The masters, oh, we can't have that. Like, well, you could have it for the last 10 years. What was the problem? But anyway, that's a different point. So, Scott, what's your reactions to the whole statement? And also, I'm interested in your reactions to the 48 inch to the 46 inch to for elite. I, I, I actually think the 46 inch deal is a good idea. I really yeah. do. I, 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 my main contention with that all along has been this kid, Tommy Morrison, who is six foot nine and 14 years old. Well, he's 15 now. I don't know the physics of his golf swing. I understand he's got longer arms than me. I've stood next to him. My arms hang a couple inches closer to the ground than his. I don't see how that kid doesn't in order to just be fair. And I hate the argument fair, but how he doesn't need a driver that's about 48 inches long. And 
are there many of those people out there? Obviously not, but there's at least one and you're basically kind of screwing that kid over. Well, my, just, uh, I, sorry, I just want to say on that point, and I agree with you, if I just ask you this direct question for both of you, because it's a really good point. The 48 inch driver hurts who? The five foot golfer or the seven foot golfer? Who does it hurt? Seven foot golfer, yeah. And I know that we can all argue there aren't many of them, but I'm watching a lot of basketball at the moment and there's plenty of them playing that sport. Wouldn't we like them in golf? I watch basketball and look at the athleticism of these players and think, oh, come and play golf. That'd be so exciting if you got these people playing golf. Sorry, Scott, carry on. Well, I mean, let's just go forward 30 years. I mean, obviously we're hoping that we're making the game have a little bit more longevity. In 30 years, we're just going to keep on seeing a taller and taller player. And again, though, I have been experimenting going from 44 and a half to 47 right now, solely to be able to help my tour players out, kind of navigate, hey, here's what to look for. Here's what I had trouble with. Here's what I found that works. And and that's the reason I could answer that question. I definitely am from 44 and a half to 47, which is two and a half dif- uh, miles or inches, rather. It's about four to five miles an hour for me, period. Same swing, same everything. Are supply chain issues still disrupting your operations? Graybar has you covered. As a leader in distribution of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products, professionals across the country rely on Graybar's nationwide logistics network to get them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Operating with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. Their nationwide logistics network, with over 290 locations across the country, assists owners and professionals with building and maintaining the operations in our electrical, communications, and industrial world by getting them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days, and Graybar's nationwide logistics network is a game changer in keeping projects on task. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R.com. Yep, Graybar does that. My smash factor drops, but it's about 15 to 20 yards longer. And so I do think that just like capping smash at 1.5, it's a it's a good place to start with freezing it where it is. My only concern again is the Tommy Morrison's of the world, which there aren't many, but there are some, and there's only going to be more, again, there's only going to be more. So, but I do think that's a good thing for helping to freeze it in this, this current environment, because ultimately that's the thing that I feel like the, the, the opposition, the rollback crowd doesn't really grasp is it's already frozen at 1.5. The only way to hit it further right now is to swing the club faster. That's it. There isn't no offense why I don't sponsor any golf ball companies or club manufacturers. All of their marketing is a hundred percent BS every single ounce of it. I went and bought online a a 25 year old Callaway Great Big Bertha, the original one, a 25 year old Strata. And I had it do the exact same thing my current Callaway Gamer does with a modern Pro V1. I'm not gonna say they're identical, but for me, they're essentially identical. Cause then, you know, Mike Clayton chimed in on Twitter. He's like, well, then why don't you play that one? I'm like, actually, I kind of considered doing it for fun just because I thought it'd be kind of cool to see if I could play with it. it it's obviously smaller. It's going to, your mishits are going to be more penalized, but as I posted online, like I can hit this thing in the center of the face as the shaft keeps getting longer, that does get harder. So I do think that that's a, a good, a good first step in just continuing to freeze it. Yeah. I mean, it does still amaze me the amount of people that message say on Twitter around these events. Um, you know, when people talk about distance, people do actually still say, um, that they that like they hint that they think that things are still going further, and I always find that really really interesting. I like I've been making videos for twelve years testing equipment, and <laughs> he'll go. I mean, I've got a, a saying on my videos called two six two because I used to carry every driver average two six two, and it did for the last twelve years. It's now two eight two, by the way. Nice. But that's because you're working your butt Gun off. That's not, that's not because show. of the new driver. That's because you're working hard, which should be Correct. rewarded. Correct. So here's another question with the 48-inch driver then. Why are we then, you agree with the 48-inch. I'm not for or against that. I just think it's quite an interesting. And there's a big part of me that does think, does seem a shame to limit a skill set because 
as you understand, and I've tried a 48-inch driver, um, it's why is that skill, hitting a 48-inch driver long and straight, why is that being wiped off the playing field compared to me being out of chip to a foot? Like, who makes that decision? Obviously, the governing bodies do, but how is that fair? I don't understand how me trying to master how to hit a 48-inch driver, which is harder than trying to hit, say, a 44-and-a-half-inch driver, which is probably the average length of a driver out on the PGA Tour at the minute. Why is that skill being taken away from me? Because it's one I wanted to practice, and it's one I wanted to um, get students trying to understand. And what I, do. I don't understand why that's any different to me chipping to 10-foot. And just on that point as well, is there any – and I don't know this, I'm just spitting out ideas – Rory is one point, he's one meter 75 tall. He's 1.75 tall in meters. It kept giving me a meter. I wanted it in feet, but I couldn't be bothered. To I, I need to, you need to convert that for me. <laughs> okay. And DJ, well, this will give you an idea. DJ is 1.93 tall. You might have, you could have said they're 12 potatoes tall and 10 potatoes yeah, but, tall. So basically, I can't convert that in my head. Well, basically, DJ. <laughs> I don't even know what he just said. I got to be honest. I didn't You're understand feet, it. You're aren't you? You guys are feet, we, we don't. You? We don't understand the metric system, Mark. That's, that's, that's <laughs> centimeters and meters, isn't it? So basically, I don't understand the Queen's English either, apparently. So, so basically, DJ is taller than Rory, but I would argue they're both using a very similar length driver. So why is it now? So if you relate my idea of why is the skill of a 40, inch driver being wiped off surely if they're using the similar length driver but they're very different heights then how is that different to someone in a 48 inch driver the 46 i'm not saying that's true i'm just putting that out there as an idea so lou you had your hand up we have a little hand up classroom system here why is the 48 inch skill now being suggested that it's we don't want that skill in our game. That's what it's saying. It's saying, yeah. we don't want that skill. Can you stop doing that skill, please? That is a really interesting point because it is more challenging to hit a 48-inch driver compared to a 46 or a 45 or a 44. And we always hear uh, we, we are removing the skill of the game. Well, it's clearly a, a skill to be able to effectively present the club head in a, in a way that's going to keep the ball in play, hitting it on the center of the face with, with the right face, all, all the things you need to hit a good golf shot with a driver. It's tougher to do that with a 48 inch club than it is a 46 inch club. So it's interesting that they, they're, they're um, removing that skill from the game. I hadn't thought of it in that way. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, somebody like me, um, I can't swing a 48 inch driver. There's just no way. Like I don't, I don't have the kind of swing that a, a tour player has or Scott has, or you have Mark. I mean, I, I can't do that. I'm going to get up to 46. It's going to be about my max. But if I was able to effectively deliver a 48 inch club and keep the ball in play, uh, why should I not be allowed to do that? It's a, it's a really good question. Well, especially when a 46 inch driver, I mean, if you think about it, so back to my point with Rory and DJ, I've converted for you both. I got it wrong. It's your, I thought you guys, you are feet. Rory's and, taller than DJ. You had it wrong. No, no. So Rory <laughs> is five foot seven and a half. DJ really? is six. Yeah. And DJ is six foot three. So does that relate to shaft length in any way as well? Because obviously shaft length is related to the height of the person. So my nine-year-old daughter is not going to be driving with a 44-inch driver, is she? It's going to be cut down, made for a size. But now we're actually saying if you want to hit a 48-inch driver, no. Our game doesn't think that's a skill that we want to investigate or have it. But... What's interesting is it was a skill for the last X amount of years. Anyone in the comments or on our Twitter wants to tell us how long has 48-inch drivers been in the rules of golf of the maximum length? Why was it okay for some point and now it isn't? I don't understand that apart from someone's, someone's woken them up and gone, I'm going to try a 48-inch driver. And they don't like who that someone is. That probably stemmed from, you know, long drive guys back in the day going longer and longer and longer because ultimately it does go faster and faster and faster. And, you know, what 48 inches is definitely arbitrary, but I would have to assume just because of my experiences, I'm trying to get my smash factor to 1.5 with a 47 inch driver. It's just not easy to do. I'm not sure, again, speaking totally in a genre, I'm not the best in, but I'm not sure that you can make a driver longer than 48 inch. It doesn't start having a severe diminishing smash factor. So it, as you start going past that, yes, you start swinging it faster and faster and faster, 
but you have so much weight differences or whatever that you just don't get the same pop out of it. So there is just a limit on how long you can go before it's like, well, it's going faster, but it's not going actually any further. I mean, yeah, 100%. Well, there'll be lots of things that would affect that. So obviously, the more you move mass away from the head, so you've got the center of gravity of a head, but you also have a center of gravity of a shaft. Um, and they work and pull against each other. So if you start, let's say you start making the ferrule, the hosel really heavy and thick, you would have to make the head counter that to kind of get the center of gravity of that head, not just start moving way off towards the heel. So you're right, there will be balances in design. Um, I, I, I'm not fussed. I, I don't care about the 48 inch to 46. I think it will affect next to no one. It is a future proofing idea. It just seems a little bit of a shame that it's a skill that just has to be wiped off. I mean, it's a landmark. It, no one really realizes it, but it's actually a, la it's a line in the sand for our game, that will be. Mm -hmm. And that's a line in the sand that most people won't realize that is even a line in the sand being drawn. It's like we've allowed 48 inches, but now we're going no, and we've not even really explored what that but does. Which my, is biggest contention, my biggest contention always is, I think that going backwards in distance would drive... I mean, again, not a lot of people from the game, but certainly some, are, and, and we just don't need to be pushing any players away from the game. So to me, the arbitrary 46 versus 48, when nobody currently plays really over 46 anyways, it's, it's a non-event, like you say, but also it's a way to freeze it without in a few years when we do go to, if, if everyone did go to 48, which I'm on record saying, I honestly believed that about half the PGA Tour would have been playing 47 by the end of this year. Yeah, and I was going to do everything I can out of spite to help that. So I do think that from that standpoint, it is a good thing because then 48 would have to be the norm. And we would be going backwards to go back to 46. And I think that just avoiding going backwards ever is a good thing. Yeah. So, but then in, I guess the counter argument to that, and I'm not saying this is my argument, I'm just playing devil's advocate because again, I'm not fussed that much between 48 and 46, but if I play against someone who can chip it to two foot from nearly any situation and I can only chip it to 10 foot, why are they allowed to use that skill? And I'm not allowed to use the skill of trying to hit a 48 inch driver. Why, why is that being rated higher? But you still are able to use a 46 inch driver faster than anyone else like your speed is still going to be rewarded and i do understand your point of like it is a skill it is a skill to hit a 48 yeah. inch driver solid i'm not in saying play. 46 isn't going to go long enough I, i'm not saying that i'm saying that extra two inches is extra distance and that person chips it constantly through the season three foot closer than me which then including filters through onto their make rate why is that skill rewarded but my one being taken away of me trying to get longer that that's just i'm not saying that's my opinion i'm just saying that i'm just playing devil's advocate no and i don't have an answer to that i, I really don't i mean other it's an than interesting the fact, one, isn't it yeah no it, but aside other than the fact that you can still work to swing something the, the 46 inch faster but you know for me as a good ball striker i would agree that the longer we can make a club the harder to hit i'm all for it for me personally just because i'm going to do that better than most people but for the, you know, air quotes, good of the game. I don't think that that, I, I do think that freezing it where we're at is, is probably a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy with that. So let's talk about the golf ball and the spring like effect ideas as well. Reactions to that. So just to give the listeners at home the idea. So the ideas with the testing of golf balls, it says new submissions and resubmissions uh, re using revised conditions for listing. So there's also talk of local rules being involved for balls, the use of optimal launch conditions within the overall distance standard. So it sounds to me that in the report, it's suggesting that there might be options for local ball, local rules for certain balls. People instantly think of Augusta and them having their own ball, those kind of ideas, which is speculation, but it's being speculated. That statement to me about the ball sounds a little bit like they're trying to tighten the tolerance that balls are being measured under at the minute. So no overly long tolerances get through. What, what would it say to you on the golf ball with those ideas in the submission and resubmission ideas? Well, I would, I would agree with that. But again, it comes back to the first thing I said at the beginning of this. You, you have to believe that there's a problem with distance. And I don't believe that there is a problem with distance. And there was an article that came out the other day. I, I think it was maybe on golf.com. But it was about the upcoming U.S. Open, which is at Torrey, which they just played at. Yeah. And the gentleman from the USGA, I forget his name, but the one responsible for setup 
for the U.S. Open and all their major championships. He leads the team or committee that, that does that. He talked about what they are planning for Tory for this summer and, and how they got feedback uh, from this past event there on players and what they thought of some of the modifications and changes and that was going to help them dictate their setup. Tory tips out at over 7,700. And he said they're only going to be setting it up between 7,200 and 7,400, depending on weather and a couple of other factors. And, and when you look at the tour as a whole, that's generally about where they are. They're going to be in the 7,250, 7,300 range. They're not playing 8,000 yard golf courses. No, you're and, wrong, Lou. If you, no, you're, you're wrong there. So I have the numbers. They're all 8,000. So the last four years out of, I looked at the last 590 (laughs) rounds that have been played on the PGA tour. Yeah. And they're all over 8,000 yards. You start bringing data to this, Lou. One of the things (laughs) that you get in shot link is they tell you how long the hole actually played, not just what the yardage on the scorecard is, but how long it actually played. Out of the last 590 rounds that I looked at over the past four years, 11 out of 590 rounds played more than 7,600. Not a single played more than 7,700. And so to me, in, in a lot of the golf courses they play on, they have 100 to 300 yards or more to to move these players back if they need to, if they feel they're hitting it too far, but they don't. And guess why? The PGA Tour is a product. It's not yeah. you and your buddies on the weekend, yeah. you know, playing for a $5 Nassau. It it's is cats. a product. It it's is a, a product that makes a lot of money. It's entertainment. They just signed a, a, a nine-year deal that is uh, um, reported to be around just under $700 million, the TV rights and digital rights deal. It's a 70% uptake from the last deal. The The purses on the PGA Tour now are, are including the FedEx – uh, bonus money. It's about $400 million a year. Like this is a massive business that we're talking about and they have a product to sell and they found something that works. And and why would we change that when it's working really, really well at the PGA tour level? So question just, I want, I've got a really good question with what you just said there, which I want to come back to um, just with the ball testing. It sounds like it's rather than maybe just producing a new ball, it's more that they're going to really get quite strict on the tests that they run on the balls to make sure nothing is getting overly long from any time tolerance from what I can read. Are you agreeing with that or not? You do see it as a ball change, don't you? No, I, I think it's um, I think it's a fair interpretation. Um, I think we still need to understand a little bit more about it. And I'm curious as to these new restrictions that are put in place and how that is going to impact all of the current balls that are approved. Are they going to have to be resubmitted? And what if they... They don't, um, you know, what happens if they don't meet the new specifications? Are all ball manufacturers going to have to go through and, and, and create all new golf balls? And um, how is that going to work? It, it, are we just fine with what we have now? And we just continue to move forward? Or is this really now nah, the Pro V1 as it exists today? You know, it, it's too hot. It doesn't spin enough. We need, we need something that doesn't go as long and spins more. Yeah. Okay. And then, but just another point quickly on what you said there, which is something that always rattles around in my head has done for a long time. You mentioned that the PGA tour is a product and I agree it is a product and people often forget that it is a traveling show. It's like a traveling circus for want of a better word. Um, But the PGA tour being governed to a certain extent by the ideas of the USGA and the RNA, is that not quite a big conflict of interest or ideas? I mean, you've got, are they both amateur bodies or prefer? Why does that work? What are you giggling out there, Scott? Am I dropping bombs? Well, I got distracted a second ago and I started to say something, but then I had COVID brain and lost my train of thought. But then okay. you just said conspiracy there, which <laughs> I shouldn't say conspiracy. Uh, well, you, you said. Know what I mean. uh, but do you see what I mean? You got no, the PJ no, no, but so, uh, that wants uh, to put on a show, and then you've got these blazers that are going whoa but you can't you can't show all that arm you have to cover a bit of that arm up so the 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 relatively well-known golf writer texted me literally as you were saying that uh mike davis is advocating a rollback right before quitting the (laughs) quitting to start an architecture firm seems fishy i was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll throw that one out there on air why not yeah no 100 percent. that does matter I actually yeah. brought that up. So one of the he quotes, did. one of the quotes that Mike Davis is on the record as saying 
uh, would say, I would almost go, this is, I'm quoting him, I would almost go so far as to say that for those who don't think that we have a problem, I would either say they haven't read the data or they have some personal conflict of interest. When you look at this data, it's so crystal clear that something needs to get done. So the USGA is of the opinion that, that this rollback, and he hints at rollback for everyone in his language, that this is going to benefit golf courses. It's one of the things you read about. It's sustainability, et cetera. He's a golf course owner. Uh, and, and so I said, in my opinion, when a regulatory body resorts to besmirching those who regulate, I'm sorry, in my opinion, when a regulatory, regulatory body resorts to besmirching those they regulate, that is indication their proposal is not grounded in science, but in politics. And then I asked the question, what conflict does Mike Davis have by being a golf course owner? They're, the USGA is saying golf courses are going to benefit from this. He's a <laughs> golf course owner. So he'll benefit. There, I got to read a, more. You got is there too a many personal conflict of interest with Mike Davis? That's a fair well, question. A that's, that's a fair question that Lou Stagner has just asked. STA. Yeah. So then if we go with the ball then and we go to the spring-like effect of the head, again, it's reductions on testing tolerance within pendulum test protocol from 18 to 6 microseconds. So this is where they drop a little hammer. I've seen them do it in tour trucks onto the face. I think they measure how long it's on the face. Four is what? Don't quote me on that. That's what I'm pretty sure they do. Testing of clubs using revised testing tolerance for listings uh, to be deadline for our decisions on it sounds like the second of August. So that to me just sounds like a positive. Like I, I honestly think that the manufacturers have got very cheeky with tolerances on CT. The actual difference it makes for distance into the stats that Lou quotes to the elite players that he quotes stats on, I reckon is marginal, but the red tape and boring. I mean, I've been on tour trucks where they're having to pull drivers every day on the practice days to test them. Like, and I just look at them thinking, what a joke like what a waste of everyone's time if you just didn't make them within point one of the tolerance all the rules had a buffer either side which allowed you to build to a tolerance that everyone was happy with we could all get on and they play still golf. try to push the upper end of that tolerance i mean i assume everybody in england drives 77 no so no well like yeah absolutely we had a discussion off air about so my analogy would be so in the uk the speed limit is 70 but you've got around 10 percent of that so if you're going at 77 you don't get a ticket if they change the rules tomorrow that if you went at 71 miles an hour or so one mile over the speed limit you would get a ticket everyone would start driving at 86 87 uh, sorry 68 67 65 <laughs> miles an hour yeah 86 with is the that middle, the screw it mindset well <laughs> if i'm gonna get a thing it may as well be a big one <laughs> yeah, absolutely um and it's the same ideas with the ct of the club as i read that they are literally just going to say your tolerance has got loads smaller if you go over that well you're going to have to test more so just build sensibly well if you take a hunt if you take 120 mile an hour club head speed and it's supposed to be capped at 1.5 and you make it one point five one that extra uh you know just as you were just saying that extra 100.01 times 120 is 1.2 like it's just it's literally nothing i mean yeah. it's 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 a non-factor um i think know. it's more that they was want to control they can see i think they can see manufacturers possibly getting better and better and better and better and better with their processes so obviously any kind of mass production has certain amount of tolerances and they're seeing i mean i've seen don't quote me on this and i'm but i've seen ct testing happening at base camp and the hot heads generally go in one drawer and the others maybe not in quite the same drawer um you know you want your fastest heads out on tour because that's the i mean i've been on tour ranges where people are fitting pros and it's it's the most crazy pro shop you've ever been on they're selling you know if patrick reed who was using a tightless driver comes to test the tightless driving i'm not singling out tightless it could be any company they're going to try and get him using his driver you know their, their driver they're going to sell it to him they are they don't want some slower head than Callaway or TaylorMade or Ping have got. They want their fastest heads out there. Well, um, in all fairness, nobody's paying Patrick Reed to play a golf club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not saying. Is this our segue into that. Patrick Reed? No, no. Make sure we can no, get our, 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 our listeners to zero. <laughs> we can't go there because Lou is biased in that. I, I, even I, some of your tweets, Lou, are on the Patrick Reed situation. I would say I would. They were close to bias. 
but that's a different we, that, that that topic's probably been beat to death yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so are we worried about the tolerance testing on um spring-like effect on drivers i think it's just a good thing why just tighten it up just let them just stop them trying to bend around it i think it's good Personally, I had a driver I can remember as a King Cobra, the one that everybody played in the late 90s. I won a couple of times on the Hooters tour with it. And it was, I tried a couple of them. And this one, I was just like, it's just magic. And in hindsight, there's probably no doubt it was magic and had a face that was on the high end of the tolerance because I could hit my buddies. It was the exact same club and mine just was better. And it's just funny. Like, well, when you go fit, get fit for a golf club, if you can't buy the exact one you're being fit for, you're kind of wasting your time. I, I wouldn't go get for a club and then be like, okay, go make me another one just like it. Yeah, that's not true so much anymore. It's so in your, it's it's considerable. I mean, I test drivers golf clubs constantly every week, and I promise you it's 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 that that use. I mean, I've had samples sent to me years ago in in times not quite as far back as what you're saying when you were playing, but you know, like seven, eight years ago, and the samples are blatantly not fit. You know they're not right yet. They're not ready. Yeah. Um. And and certain companies back then did have wider berth of tolerances. They weren't as good. But if you want to compete in this very competitive market uh, with golf clubs nowadays, you do have to build. Certainly with every club that are having a a launch monitor now, it's just not within your interest. Not building to a certain decent level of tolerance, Lou. The pendulum test protocol from eighteen to six. It's only a positive, isn't it? You want tighter tolerances. You want to know that everyone's using a similar, if not the same, legal driver, don't you? Um, I don't sure. see that as rollback or anything. I, I just I see that see as that. sensible. Like, yeah. why have you been so lazy in the first place? Just yeah, make it I, I don't mind that they that they are. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Uh, but again, I come back to distance isn't a problem. Scoring is is better. Scoring average has come down over the last forty years. Um, and I just it looked it up. Should do in forty years, shouldn't it? Nineteen eighty, the tour averaged seventy two point five nine. In 2020, 40 years later, they averaged seventy seventy point five six. So two. 2.03 shots better. Now we don't have very accurate data past 1983, but I do have US Open data all the way back to the first US Open in 1895. And people are up in arms that scoring average has gone from 72.59 down to 70.56. The five, let's look at the five year moving average uh, at the US Open in 1907 was 83.2 shots. Um, if I go out to 1951, it's 76.2 shots in 1951. I'm just picking some arbitrary dates and I come back, you know, now to this year, it's 73.31 the last five years. If I, if I go back to 19, uh, 1983 here, it's or 74.52. Uh, and, and so we're down about two shots, but we had this monumental leap from the early 1900s to the 1920s and 1930s into 1980. So we had a much bigger improvement in scoring from 1940 or 1950 to 1980 than we did from 1980 to 2020. And we haven't seen a massive drop in scoring since they, they um, you know, everyone moved over to the Pro V1 and in, in 2003 is kind of the, the, the year when everyone had made the change and, and we're less than a shot from 2003. And there's not a time that we can find in, in the data that we have where you look at a 17 year period where it didn't drop 0.7 or 0.8 shots. So it's, they're just getting better. There's more people playing golf. They are getting better. They're better athletes. There's more knowledge. Everything is evolving. So yeah, kind of where that's, I and I agree. And that, that I would say that's a, a positive rather than a negative. So my question, I've got a couple of questions. Um, first off, the the three points, um, the so the club length, the golf ball, and then the spring effect on the face. Um, initial reaction, good or bad? Like, is it is it like, because Scott, Scott's saying he quite likes the 46 inch, so he's saying that's good. I don't mind the spring effect being tighter tolerances, and I don't mind the balls being tighter tolerances. Uh, I, I, I think they're all okay. The 48 inch one, I think, asks some interesting questions about that skill set that you just want to wipe away and not even let develop, which I think is a shame. But apart from that, it's all pretty harmless stuff for me, apart from the suggestion of maybe different balls for different tournaments. That to me 
for some reason does sadden me and, and makes me feel like it's quite bad. Lou? So this is where we got to bring up Rory. So Rory, they, uh, the press conference after his, his, you know, whatever today, um, Rory went on a tirade. And one of the things that he said, and I don't have it in front of me and I don't, I don't know that we'll play it, but he said, um, some, I'm going to paraphrase that they spent millions of dollars uh, on this and it's such a waste of money. They should have put that money into trying to grow the game. And to me, this entire thing, this whole conversation is such a waste of effort and money for a problem that I don't think exists, but in their minds, a problem that literally impacts a few hundred people on the planet. And that is about it. And to me, it's such a, I'd rather be talking about other things than what they're trying to do here. Yeah. So then this, is that relate surely to my point that the PGA tour being having to bait to the USGA and the RNA, like why are they making the decision about the product of the PGA tour? Well, I'll bring in one quote from Roy's just for fun. Yeah, go on. It reeks of self-importance. Yeah, I was waiting for that one, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could see the uh, the interactions I've had with the USGA in my life at uh, at USGA events, it, uh, it <laughs> that's RNA a good to say the well. least. Yeah, yeah, it, I agree. It's just self-importance. They, they think they're the shepherds of the game, and you're just a bunch of golfers that are trying your best and whatever, but they just think that they know more than everybody else. And there are some great players, some Walker cuppers and everything that play at the USGA. And I hate more than anything, the appeal to authority argument, but they're just not very good at golf and actually knowing what is and isn't, you know, air quotes possible given any combination of things. They're just kind of winging it in my opinion. And just, just trying to preserve old golf courses. In my opinion, that's the only thing going on here, actually. And it's just totally irrelevant because old golf courses are too small to host a modern circus tour event. And so it's it's a moot point anyways. Nobody at whatever classic old golf course has a is shooting 63 every day. It's just not a problem, like Lou says. Yeah, I, I'm, I would go with that. I will challenge your point that they're just winging it because obviously if you can't have someone, you can't agree with someone saying they're spending millions researching X, Y, and Z and then say you're they're winging it. That's not fair. When I say winging it, I more mean they're not turning over the right stones. Okay. They're, they're yeah. not looking in the right place. So they're spending millions on what they think is the right place, but they're just not, they're not looking in the right place. Because I would say the Distance Insight Report has some brilliant information in it for both sides of the argument. I, I think it, and Lou who reads it, I mean, I literally think he's got a copy of it on his bedside table. <laughs> <laughs> I've read, I have read every report in the Distance Insight Library. I have read zero. Not only have I read them, I, I took notes on each one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where I honestly, like, I do believe I bring this to the table because like Mike Davis is starting an architecture firm. That's a conflict. I personally plan on trying to play on the senior tour in two and a half years. I'm showing you how objective I'm being because rolling it back and doing anything you can to make the ball striking aspect of this game harder would only help me. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally, in my opinion, not helping myself here by by taking this position. Yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. like Rory. I just it's so reaction is a mixed one. I think there's some good points in it, and I think there's some questionable points in it. And I do agree with Lou. I mean, the first question that we have to discuss, and maybe we should do it in another podcast and arguably we should have done it in this one, but we can't go on all night is do we have a problem? That's what it always comes back to. Do we actually have a problem? And I, for one at the minute, I think the word problem, I mean, you've got the RNA in the last two weeks have just taken on a management group. They're called modest golf. Um, they manage Tyrrell Hatton and other European stars uh, Niall from One Direction is part of the company, or if it is his company, don't quote me on that, he's part of it. Um, the, the, you know, they've just employed them, the RNA, to try and expose golf to younger people, come up with initiatives to expose golf to more younger people. But then in the same breath, we're still having discussions about do we have a problem? It's like, it's literally, it just baffles me. Like, I, I've got this phone, right, Lou? I've got this phone here rubbish doesn't work do you want to buy it off me it's like saying that do you know what i mean it's literally like saying 
come and play our game. It's a bit broken, but as long as you're not too tall, you, you, you'll be all right because we won't harm you. It, 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 there's so many confusing messages that come out from them. It, it, it does blow my socks off a little bit. Um, I think the only point that I'd, I'd want to end with for me is just the bifurcation idea oh. is just because I think it's really important that people understand that's just kicking the can down the road to our youngest and most important players because we didn't make good decisions coming along. Bifurcation is is simply going to force the transitioning amateurs into professional golf, decide when to start playing the equipment, when to start taking their precious practice time away from the, the, the equipment they're using and using it so they're ready to turn pro. Their totally. world ranking will suffer. They'll not do as well. Like everything you've seen with Will Zalatoris, Colin Morikawa, Bryson, Maverick, Doc Redman, all these 22, 23-year-olds, shoot, Matthew Wolf, 20-year-olds in the last couple of years, that would dry up immediately. And again, I'm not saying that they can't break 80. I'm saying they would have a little bit less control over the golf ball. They would be playing with a little bit less confidence in what they're doing. And they've only got the starts between the NCAAs and Q school in, in late August, early September. They've only got a couple starts in order to make as much money as veteran PGA tour players do in an entire year in order to forego wasting a year air quotes, wasting a year on the corn Ferry tour. That's the demographic that we need in the game for the longevity of the game. And basically, okay, well then we won't transition it at elite amateurs. It'll happen. You, then now you're pushing on junior golfers. When do they transition from the high school ball to the college ball? It's you're just keep making it worse. A hundred percent. I've had this conversation with so many amateur golfers, clever people who just don't think it through. They don't realize how the pro game and the amateur game is actually intertwined from the beginning. Yep. So if I'm using a ball uh, in my club level golf as a junior that I hit four up and I get my best numbers out of it. And that's how I maximize distance and get my best results but I want to be a tour player and they're using a ball where actually they've worked out. They need to hit eight up to get the most out of it. And they need a launch angle, which is three degrees lower than the ball that you're using at club level. Why am I ever competing at club level? Why am I learning no skills? I'm just yep. not learning them. I'm just, as a kid, I'm just going to not learn them straight away. It'd be like me going for tennis lessons now and saying, I want to be a serve volleyer. The guy would, or the woman to coach would say, do you want to play this game like properly in the long run? I'd say, yeah, yeah, I want to be on tour. I want to win Wimbledon. Well, you can't be a sort of volleyer. No one does that anymore. Well, oh, yeah, but I want to be. To well, it, no, you, it just, they don't realize. So for me to get in the British amateur, I need a handicap. Where do I get my handicap from? Playing in monthly medals, playing in competitions at my club. So you've now got a tournament that qualifies for the Open and the US and the Masters, which requires one set of skills. But to get into that tournament, I'm using a different set of skills. Like, just open your eyes to that. Like, that is, and I honestly think that lots of people who beat that drum don't have launch characteristics, ideas in their heads. They just literally don't think it's a thing. And it gets missed so much. That's my point with kind of saying the USGA people, they're, they're good golfers, but they're not great golfers. And just personally, when I entered Q school, whatever time it was as an amateur, as a joke back in 2008, 9, 10 or 11, whenever it was, it was the year that they had shifted the groove rule on wedges. Yeah. And I played at first stage of Q school and I hit a bunch of wedges that I thought were really good. And they just didn't react like I expected them to on the green at all. And, I went out to my home course here in Dallas later that day and I hit about 50 shots from the middle of the fairway trying to get a, a gauge on it. And it's not like I hit, missed the green, but shots that I thought should be inside of 10 feet were 15 or 18 feet. And that's a huge difference. And so when people are like, they'll figure it out, that's what the argument always ends in is, oh, they'll figure it out. And I figured it out and it took me a couple months to get it to where I'm like, okay, I'm as good with my wedges now as I was before. That couple months is the exact amount of time that those kids have to use their sponsors invites and they'll still be great at golf, but they won't be world class at golf like they yeah. are currently. Welcome to the That's scrap heap. So many of them will be scrap heaped. Yep. There's one thing that I want to talk about that we haven't talked about. And I, I've asked about this several times. I've asked people to provide lists. And this is, give me a list of all of these golf courses that are obsolete, that they're playing on tour and show me which ones need to be lengthened. And let's talk about the sustainability problem that, 
that we constantly hear about. We're running out of room. We don't have enough room, the environment, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Give me the list of golf courses that are obsolete. And I I've yet to, to get one from anyone that's comprehensive. I've had none. I've I, I hear, I hear, a, we get a few, I hear Augusta, I hear St. Andrews had to put a T out of bounds. Um, mm. We hear a couple of those things, but I can show you that all the courses that they're playing on tour, they are playing them um, generally 100 to 300 yards shorter than what the yardage is on the scorecard. So there's plenty of room to grow the game and expand the game. Just move back to the back of the tee box. And then we have courses on tour like Pebble. Pebble isn't exactly 8,000 yards long, and it still plays relatively challenging to people. Um, and, you know, scoring isn't, they don't average 65 at Pebble. They just, they just don't. No. And we, we need to talk about the sustainability problem. We've touched on it in, in the past. And, and if we're really concerned about saving money and saving the environment, there should be a massive push to make fairways smaller and make Green greens smaller. a lot smaller. Um, because that is a huge maintenance cost to a golf course every year. And I put some numbers out about that. That is low hanging fruit. If they really want to save money, do that. Instead of having fairways that are you know, 50 yards wide, make them much, much shorter. Instead of having greens that are 8,000 square feet, make them like pebble and make them 3,500 square feet. Now we're talking about serious dollar amounts you can save every year. You know, the cost of putting in a new tee, if you have room, and I get that some courses might be landlocked, but for every course that you find that is landlocked, I'm going to find 300 that have room to expand. 3,000. Yeah, 3,000. <laughs> and and to, to install a new back tee, it's a, depending on how extravagant you get, it's going to be between five and $11,000 is about what it's going to be. Ask, go ask your superintendent, hey, can you install five new back tees? And, and they're going to say, yep, I can do that. We'll get through that. It'll, it'll cost this, this much, or go ask your superintendent to take the, the acres of fairway on your golf course from 30, which is about the average to 60 and see what their reaction is, or go ask them to take their greens from 6,000 square feet to 10,000 and see what their reaction is. That is real savings right there. And, and that needs to be part of the conversation. Yeah, well, that's maybe a future uh, conversation because I agree with those points. And that leads, I've got a couple of questions um, just from the Twitter followers that I posted earlier uh, on my Twitter account at Full Golf Online. Got any questions? And Kevin Stokes wants to be part of the podcast. So Kevin asks, why was Webb Simpson vilified for his comments regarding simple changes to course setups as a solution to bomb and gouge? At Bryson's US Open Rough was the same length if you missed the fairway by 40 yards as it was if you missed by 10 yards so why i didn't see that webb simpson was vilified but my first initial will be quite quick we've got two questions i don't want to linger too long on him is, is webb simpson not vilified because he's wearing a tightless hat it seems to be because old um michael breed got a bit vilified in one of our podcasts where we talked about rollback because obviously he's paid by tightless and i understand there might be a conflict there but i also understand that michael's a human being with an opinion and he like i i, I want to hear his opinion um is it a little bit vilified because he's got a tightless hat on and he's a tightless guy i don't know implicit in his argument is that bryson would not have done as well if there was more rough further offline Implicit in his argument is that Bryson hit more tee shots, more foul balls than anyone else. That is categorically not true. As I've said on a prior podcast, I Lou likes to read. I like to thumb through shot link images. I went through the shot link images of the three straightest players, the guys who hit the most fairways and the top 10. And Bryson had the fewest balls outside of the 70 yard wide cone that I look for. He only had two. In the entire 72-hole event. Okay. Dalatoris, so who's one of the best ball strikers on the planet, had seven. Everybody else has four to six a tournament usually. Bryson hit it so good it would have only been worse. Well, so he was vilified because people know that. And he's well, are you saying Webb Simpson was suggesting that he was hitting a more offline? Is that what you are you said? Yeah, yeah. Bryson. Well, That's he's actually not... saying, why was Webb Simpson vilified for having the idea of having rough from 10 yards to 40 yards off 
as as deep that's the question why was he vilified for it is he vilified for it because he's tightless or is he vilified for it because it actually won't make any difference if they're long and straight they're just going to do even better well again that's uh, my covid brain i'm getting kind of lost in the uh the word the word jumble there but implicit in whoever's argument there about graduated rough is that bryson hit it further offline and that is incorrect not true yeah absolutely lou for you do you know why he was vilified or if he was i didn't i didn't know he was I'm I'm not sure why he would be vilified for that. I mean, I certainly think it's the you know the the fact that he's sponsored by Titleist and an equipment company. I've seen a lot of comments with players uh, about players speaking out about this and saying, "Well, of course they're going to say that they are paid by an equipment company. They're going to read the talking points from the equipment company, and they're going to uh, they're going to toe the company line because they make money to be sponsored by an equipment company." And I just think that that is um, that that's not true. And he has an opinion on this, and and um, I think it's wise to you know let these guys talk and, and let's hear what they have to say. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 where I think it's wise to let them talk, I also sometimes think it's not because lots of them aren't really studying or really care. They just want their paychecks. You get one like Rory seems like someone who's very thoughtful and wants to look deeper and form more rounded opinions. Um, yeah, it, and, and I do agree. Like, what's also interesting with it is if, if Tiger says roll back, which he did recently, people tweeted something at me um, saying that the ball goes too straight now. And I did some research and I showed, uh, I, I found out that it actually doesn't go too straight now, but I'll come to that in a later. <laughs> I'll come to that in a later. Ball. What do you reckon Tiger's standard deviation was on like his average year for driver left and right miss? I'm going to guess 12 yards. Well, anyone got an educated guess? I'd say, say somewhere in the, I'd say somewhere in that range yeah so 12 yards either way that would put 68 percent of his tee shots in a 24 yard wide window it's, 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 it's probably 13 14 yeah, yeah i'm being generous at 12 i'm being yeah. generous at 12 yards. i'd love to have 2000 data that would be absolutely yeah, yeah, incredible yeah. but if he is let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's 12 yards uh standard deviation left and right miss there's no way he can see what so I've, I've got measurements from 2000 extra revs and he can't see the distance further it goes right when he's got a standard deviation of 12 because it's, it's hilarious. But anyway, what Tiger needs to work on is not double crossing it. Then he wouldn't be worried that the ball <laughs> yeah, goes yeah, too absolutely. straight. But what my point is, is when Tiger says roll back, everyone says it's all right. But well, he's sponsored by Bridgestone. He's got a club. He's got a building course company. It's like, oh, it's all right for him to have opinion, but it's not all right for Webb Simpson if that's why he was villainized. Well, but like Rory but like Rory sitting there and saying it, it doesn't go too far. So if Tiger says it goes too far, then it's correct. But if Rory jumps in and says, no, it doesn't, then it's not correct. Like it's, Yeah, well, Tiger's won more majors, uh, Scott. Come on, this is very basic. <laughs> true fact. Rory's not done yet, though. And last one, then. Let's go out on Sandy's comment. Sandy says, does it not instantly... Um, does the fact that Bryson instantly approved not sound the alarm for the guys who think it's going to level the playing field or help the short hitter. And he's quoting, oh, now I'm going to be the only guy who can reach par fives in two with an iron. It couldn't have worked out any better. So what this guy is saying, everyone, what Sandy is saying, thanks, Sandy, for your comment and for listening to the podcast. He's saying that everyone who's saying, oh, it's great, it's going to level it. It's actually got the potential to do the complete opposite, isn't it? Which we've been saying for quite a long time, haven't we? It will not level it. No. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it will definitely not level the playing field. And there was someone else that had a question around, you know, somewhat related to that. I don't have it in front of me. I forget who it was, but they, they said, what, uh, what changes would need to be made to a golf course to level the playing field as much as possible between a short hitter and a long hitter, you know, taking things to the extreme. And when you look at the data, what levels the playing field the most is, uh, really wide fairways, really short, rough, and soft conditions. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, I, I assume that's because longer players are, they're always going to have shorter clubs into a hole. But when you introduce uh, rough, um, it is a lot easier for them to put spin on a nine iron versus put spin on a seven iron. And well, land short- angle is yeah, more right. than spin there. The scent angle is going to be different. And so they're going to be able just to, to uh, stop the ball uh, much quicker and have much more control over the ball when it's firm conditions and, and heavy rough than a shorter player would. So I'm, I'm sorry that I forget who asked that question, but I thought what it was a good a, one. Yeah, well, the, the, one, the one comment that I've got on that is just because Luke, 
uh, Deneen with Golf Magazine, he threw out there per Webb Simpson statement, what would a course that's designed yeah. solely to advantage? That's what blew my Twitter up today. And trees is the trees is the only answer to what would Harbor help. Town, I said. Uh, yeah, Harbor Town. And, and if you want to do even worse, Harbor Town with some hazards crossing the fairway. <laughs> Mike Clayton, you know, jumped in a little bit. And I know this just turned into a giant debacle. But the only answer that is not absurd you know, with again, just intentionally, like you just literally can't hit it 300 yards because of a hazard crossing or whatever. Trees is the only answer to that. And Kyle Harris, shout out Sir Putz a lot on Twitter. He chumps in there with, sure there is. You mandate a ball that doesn't fly as far. That will not neutralize distance. That will just bring everyone back. But the longest player is still going to be the longest, period. Like there's nothing you're going to do. And I do truly one hundred percent believe five years from now the entire pga tour is going to have people looking like bryson swinging oh, like that at the golf ball there, there's just no stopping that and I want, yeah there, there is the best thing the, what will accelerate it is the more they slow it down yeah but that's what i want them to slow it down because it'll be absolutely hilarious if i'm in it 280 on the fly now if you roll me back to 260 well i'm just gonna try my hardest to go back to 280 i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna go all right if i cared I can get there. I just now need to eat better. I need to work harder. And here we go. Happened in tennis. Look at the size of them in tennis now. They slowed it down. They actually sped it up on some services. That's a myth, but they slowed it down and sped it up. And they just all got stronger and stood at the back and pounded it harder. And it's, well, it's a better game for it. So maybe it's good for golf. Slow them down and watch them all get even more strong. Lou, one yeah. last point. So in Rory's press conference today, he also made the comment that even if they do make changes to the equipment that the manufacturing companies will figure out ways around that and will still continue to evolve and advance their products, no matter what they do, that will continue to happen. When you combine that with players figuring things out, you know, so Mark, I think you've done some work on looking at, uh, you know, drivers with 10 degrees of loft. You can change as an elite player, you're going to be able to change how you deliver the club to the ball. And you're going to be able to not lose the distance that they think you should lose by mandating. You can only use a 10 degree driver. Is that, is that a fair comment? So to give you a little snapshot, I, I, for instance, if I do a test with a 12 degree driver to a eight, degree driver so that's four degrees difference at static loft and i launch both of those balls through the same window i can't swing the 12 degree as fast as i swing the 10 degree at uh, the eight degree because i have to use more horizontal force to get the loft into the right place so i have to go more lateral along the floor think of that rather than a than a jordan spieth uh, rather than a justin thomas jump okay so all that happens is i go fit for car uh, fit for golf michael carroll I just text him and say, I need to get my horizontals like going through the roof. Give me some exercises to get my horizontals going through the roof because I now have to use a 12 degree driver, which I'm going to de-loft. So can you give my horizontals training uh, scheme for the next six months? And he'll do it. They, they, they'll just beat it. One little counter to your point there with Rory. When I hear Rory say that about the equipment manufacturers will go round it, I only hear the his sponsor there i don't hear him that's his sponsor well and it just comes back to it's already frozen it's that's all just marketing bs yeah. there's there is nothing else to do except for a train there is nothing else all to do. i hear there lou and i i I'll, i disagree with you there all i hear is his media brain switches on for a second his other points i think are good but when he says that they can't they won't go around you can't get around 46 inches you can't, you can't get, get around, around 1.5. You can't get around 46. Like exactly. Swing it, it faster. But I don't it, think it's his marketing ring. I just think it's a, in, a you know, an incorrect statement. Yeah, I do. I think it, he, I know. I, anyway, we'll, but we'll agree. <laughs> I, think his, I think his point was they're going to continue to advance technology. If they roll it back, they're going to continue to advance technology. And we talked about this in a past pod. There's a gentleman who is a, in charge of engineering at one of the major companies. And I chatted with him and I asked him about if you could, if you, would you be able to make a better persimmon driver today, given what you know? And he said, oh man, it would be miles better compared yeah, of course to- it would, because they right. would be able to up it to right. what they understand so, now. It, right, that's not knowledge, technology, it is going to continue to evolve. And no matter what they do, they're, they're going to regain some of that through 
uh, technological advances and advances of the player and just being smarter. I think being smarter, I, I don't think equipment has really gone very far, but maybe another pod we could get into it. Deep. We'll try and get the boys from Ping on. They're really good for talking about this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we'll get Almaty on and stuff like that if they want to come on, because it, it, it does make for some really interesting information on the ideas of what they're trying to advance and how they're advancing. And also advances aren't always linear in golf clubs. I've said this for years. People think they just go linear. They're not it's a little bit like fashion sometimes what is trendy now and people uh, want to see in their clubs and feel in their clubs now can go back to what they wanted to feel 10 years ago and people call that a development it's not always a, a development but an interesting podcast thanks for your time as always i've really enjoyed that i think for me i'm really interested to see where this develops and where this goes i am not got full faith that the usga and the rna will make the right decisions but i hope they do and it will be interesting how it develops and plays out. And I also don't think it will make much difference to anything as we stand at the minute, even though lots of people seem to be banging their chests as if there's been some massive success. We won! Yeah, we won nothing because no one uses a 46-inch driver anyway. They all use 45. So we kind of won nothing. Brilliant. Well done, guys. Thanks, Good for, job, boys. thanks, thanks for winning nothing. <laughs> <laughs> as always thanks for listening leave a comment down below, or a review down below hit the stars if you like the podcast and hit us up on our social channels if you want to interact with us more in, in particular Lou in relationship to rollback because I know he loves it thanks for listening everybody <laughs> later <laughs>